You guys know how much I love nursing schools. Well, we have another one that wants us to tell you about their MSN and DNP family nurse practitioner programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. And right now, they are offering tons of scholarship opportunities starting at $10,000 for both of these programs. You know, I'm in the midst of getting my MSN. And let me tell you, I wish I would have known about these scholarships when I first enrolled. Visit them at smumsn.com and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's smumsn.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back for another week of mixing true crime and healthcare and coming up with some pretty interesting conversations, I think. And welcome back also to Tom and Ben of the Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners. So glad to have you guys back. We are glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be here. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you guys. And I'm really excited because Tom and Ben are going to be joining Good Nurse, Bad Nurse in Nashville in just a few weeks on November the 20th. Because Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, as you guys know, we announced last week is teaming up with several other popular podcasts to bring you the very first Nurses PodCon. I am so excited about this. It's going to be a one-day event on Saturday, November the 20th. As I said, in Nashville, Tennessee, it'll be from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We're going to have live podcasts all day long. And we will have several educational sessions featuring Mike with Simple Nursing and many other nurse educators as well. And they will count for continuing education credits, including IV tips and tricks, time management hacks, test taking strategies, NCLEX prep, all that sort of stuff. It's also going to be a hybrid in-person and online event. So you can get an online ticket and enjoy the day virtually, or there is a limited number of tickets for you to come in person. And of course, we would love to get to meet some of you guys. So we also like to thank the following sponsors for helping to make this event possible. Trusted Health, you guys know they're my favorite company for travel nursing, they're who I use. Stoggles is the company that brought fashion to safety goggles. Those are so cool. Echo Devices, they have their amazing audio enhancing technology for stethoscopes. It's a stethoscope, the course that I use. Samuel Merritt University, they've been training superior nurses and healthcare professionals for over 100 years, and they have an outstanding family nurse practitioner program. And of course, CBD Stat and their, their CBD products are the absolute top of the line and purest CBD products out there. So really, really, really thankful for them for helping us pull this off. And if you guys are want to come, go to goodnursebadnurse.com and get your tickets today. Can't wait. You guys excited about it? Yeah, we are. I mean, we, uh, we, we've we never, you know, done anything live like this. So it's, I think it's going to be fun. I initially told Tom that we needed to do like Dumb and Dumber and do like the blue tuxedo and the orange tuxedo. And then he vetoed that for some reason. I don't know why. That's not exactly how it went down <laughs> because I was totally for it. I just wasn't sure how we were going to find the ruffle shirts that fast. So it was more of, I wanted to be authentic versus not wanting it. 
Mm, yeah. However, I still think it was a great plan. I think it's a great plan. I still think you should try to pull it off because that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, boy. Be mm. careful what you ask for. <laughs> so. I guess we can get started with our bad nurse story. We might as well go ahead because we've got quite a show planned for you guys today. This is actually a story that I did with Jer during the Georgia Association of Nursing Students conference. It was a virtual conference and we did it live and we weren't able to record it. So I, I didn't want to miss out on doing this story now, as an episode because I feel like it has a lot of lessons in it. And I, that's why we did it. That's why we chose to do it for those students. And I, I, could, I like to, whenever I speak in front of students, I like to, or for, well, for any, in front of anyone, an audience like that, I, I try to make it educational in some way and have something we can pull out of it. And I do definitely think this, that's the case for this story. It's a tragic story. It's really sad. We've got some mental health issues. I don't know if we really necessarily need to do a trigger warning, but there is some, we're going to be talking about some mental health issues today. I was just going to say, out of all the stories, so we've done the show a couple of times with you, and I've listened to several episodes, you could argued the degree of how bad it was, but it was like a very clear cut, like, this is bad. You know, maybe maybe some people think it's worse or better, but it's still bad. This is one of the few ones I'm like, after reading all the details and doing some research, I was like, I don't know. This is, this is a very muddy subject compared mm-hmm. to the other ones, I think. Yeah. And you guys are going to find out what he's talking about because it's got some different kind of details in it. It's, it's definitely fascinating. I could fall either way almost. Um, depending on how I I look at it. So having said all that, this is the story of Heidi Butler. Heidi is from California and she's a former nurse who worked at the same hospital for nine years when she approached a coworker and asked her to kill her husband. So we just aren't going to beat around a bush this week. (laughs) We're going to jump right into (laughs) what happened. I mean, you know, that escalated very quickly. You want to kill my husband? Like, that was a hell of a conversation she had. It's kind of hard to imagine someone just doing that. I mean, here you are at work, I don't know, charting beside each other. I don't know what uh, circumstances are <laughs> that this subject would come up. But when the, the nurse the, is an ICU nurse, and when she realized that, that Heidi was serious, she decided to set up an opportunity to record a conversation with her. So obviously, this is not just a one-time conversation that she was having. Well, we're going to get into, you know, whether or not people think, well, did she mean it? Was, you know, was what were her intentions? And to me, that's the first clue, the fact that she talked about it more than once. Your listeners are going to hear there's lots of ins and outs, but that is definitely one of the strikes against her is clearly when you talk about something this serious multiple times to the point where someone's like, I need to record this for evidence. I think it's gone well beyond the hey, I'm mad at my husband because I am sure my wife has probably said these words at her job more than once, <laughs> but no one has recorded her saying it. You get what I'm <laughs> like? No one has said, hey, Tom, you may not want to go to sleep tonight. Yeah, so she was recorded by her coworker discussing this murder for hire plot. And supposedly she said on this recording, that she had already tried to hire someone else to do this. She tried to hire a Hells Angels hitman and was sort of using some code words while, you know, in in the recording. So she was clearly trying to, I guess, sort of, I guess speaking in code is about the best way to say it, but you could still tell what what she was saying clearly. Though I do wonder what the code words were. I know. I was wondering the same thing, Ben. Is murder like eagle? Like, you know, I mean, 
So have you seen Eagles lately? Like, <laughs> right, yeah, like... <laughs> well, and also it kind of speaks to intent. You can't anymore say I accidentally did it when you went through the entire process of creating code words, mm-hmm. using those code words, and then saying, Oh, I tried these code words on someone else, and now I'm trying them with you. Like right. Well, That's a bunch of eagles you got going on there. Well, not only did the ICU nurse who recorded her think that she wasn't kidding or, you know, that took her seriously, the police did also because they arrested her just hours after that nurse provided the audio evidence to the detectives. Wow. So the nurse said, I gave it a couple of days and I knew it wasn't a joke. So I switched into gear where I knew I had to do something or this man was going to die. Imagine hearing the story if he had died, if she had gone through with it. Obviously, this ICU nurse is not going to be a part of that, but she heard it and then hesitated, as I I totally could understand, but she hesitated, and then maybe she found someone else to do it. And now that nurse looks back and goes, oh, if I had said something immediately. And we might be tempted to to think, if if she said something, why didn't you say something right away? You know, wouldn't you just be going back and forth like, surely she's kidding. Surely she's not serious. It also struck me how many times, and I know the three of us, how many times have you said, oh, I could just kill them for doing something? Yeah. So, and again, we've already said she's using code words. We've had more than one conversation. We don't know exactly what they said, but clearly this was some very stuff. Also, the police got a warrant and arrested her Mm -hmm. within hours. Like, I don't know what code word she said, but it sucked because it did not fool a person. (laughs) What's the point of a code word in case someone is listening or recording that you wouldn't be caught? You could say, that's not what I meant. And clearly it didn't work at all. So she might as well just spelled it out. Yes. She might as well said, can you please kill my husband for me? Because Mm -hmm. that's exactly what everybody heard. Can you put the mustard on the hot dog? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Put the mustard on the hot dog and then bury it six feet. Yeah. Like, okay, now we understand, lady. Like, you can't do that. Clearly, it was way too, it was, it was described a little too detail or something. Unless in the recording, she says it. And then after she says it starts using code words. In other words, like, like in the recording, she's going, okay, I'm going to use a code word when I say kill. You know what I'm saying? Like she literally spelled out the code words. And obviously she has never listened to any previous episodes of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. She obviously has never seen one episode of Snapped. And I think we talked about this in the very last episode we did. Like there's so many things like you could easily avoid. (laughs) She is apparently just barreling down the middle of the mistake highway, just not using correct code words. Like, and we, I think we also said that very same thing last time also was never trying to hire a hitman. It's always an undercover cop or they're not going to come yeah. through. Like never, never go with a hitman. Like if you're going to murder somebody, apparently it's a do it yourself type work. You're really going to get caught. I mean, I, I don't pretend to try to turn somebody around. If you are the, an evil person and you just really want to hurt somebody, you really want to do commit some kind of a crime. I don't pretend that I could somehow convince you to be a good person and not want to do that. I just hope to try to convince you to not want to have to spend the rest of your life in prison, because I 100% believe that you will get caught. I too many of these. There are just too many of these stories out there. I can't believe that there's a huge number of people who have done this sort of thing and didn't get caught. So I just, I really feel like most people get caught when they try to do something like this. Like you just said, the number of people that get caught. So clearly it's not deterring anybody. They're, they're not figuring it out. The only, the only way to avoid paying the penalty 
is to not do the crime. And they're mm-hmm. still doing the crime. So I don't know if you could talk about it, but Ben and I have a mutual friend that let's say in his younger days may have been in trouble with the law and for a very short period of time. And he is like, I will never go back to jail. <laughs> like, I, you can't get me to do something to go back to jail. And he was only there for a short period of time. When you murder someone, you're going for a very long time. So trust the people that have been to prison. You don't want to go to it. It's not, it's not a fun place. So avoid murder. We'll take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. You guys, a career in nursing is more than just a job. It's a lifelong journey of learning and growing. And professional development is key for any nurse hoping to advance their career. So how about you? Are you ready to take your career to the next level? If so, now is the time for you to get your certification in nursing. Earning your certification is a major professional milestone. It's a seal of approval recognized by professional peers, hiring managers, and patients. It signifies your commitment to excellence, your level of competence, and can make you more marketable in a competitive field, offering 18 different certifications, including 12 specialty certifications. Whether you're looking to earn your first certification, ready to renew, or exploring new certifications, they are there to make the entire process as easy, affordable, flexible, and painless as possible. Whatever your practice level or desired specialty, they can help you prepare your exam with a range of affordable tools and resources designed to set you up for success. And their commitment to you goes well beyond the exam. They provide all the ongoing support, advocacy, guidance, and resources that you need throughout your nursing career. This is your career, and you deserve the best. At ANCC, they're going to be there to help you every step of the way. So visit pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN to learn more. That's pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN. And we'll put that link on our website. If you want to just go to Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, you can click on it from there. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream... I put on every day after work. I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well-rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet. And I have plantar fasciitis, so now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC-free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in their product, just go to goodnursebadnurse.com and click on the CBD stat link to get your 40% off. Well, Heidi was charged with solicitation of murder. She said in a statement during a mental health examination that she had been coming off three COVID-related assignments over three months in April, May, and June. And so she was a night shift nurse working on two hours of sleep powered by energy drinks. She described herself as the sole provider in the family, fatigued from three of four of her children that were involved in distance learning from home and the victim of bias at work from a jealous boss. 
She said, I worked every single night. Sometimes I would have one night off a week, but I was working extreme hours. I snapped. I was enraged and I said the words, I wish him dead. I'm a travel nurse and I work at, literally work in a COVID ICU. I work in the ICU that it's not supposed to be the COVID ICU, but that's what it ends up being because all the patients have COVID. So I can assure you 100% that I'm not going to, if I, if I snapped or whatever, I mean, it, I'm under a lot of stress right now. I'm not going to try to pretend like I'm not. But I don't have anything in me that wants to try to hurt another person. Like, I don't want to hurt my husband. I want, you know, I don't want to take that out on someone else. So I don't believe that the COVID related, it may have triggered an underlying illness. I do believe that. I know that that can happen. But the desire to want to hurt another person, I don't see the correlation because I don't believe that mental illness causes you to be necessarily can cause you to be a violent person or the type of person to want, you know, or homicidal, if that makes any sense. I could somewhat see it though. I mean, especially the way that this is described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's not sleeping. She's a sole provider of family. So by that statement, I would assume that her husband's not working. They're taking care of four children, three of them in distance learning, which means she's probably staying up during the day to help them do their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And if he's not working, what's he, I mean, not, victim blaming by any means or anything along those lines but some aspects of that i kind of go well i mean maybe she had a reason to be a little pissed off and and see this is where when i was saying earlier where it gets murky is because i'm somewhere down the middle okay because a i'm with tina that i think if anything i could certainly see this being a trigger like if she did have a mental illness this is certainly going to exacerbate it or if she is frustrated and angry, she is now probably lacking the mental faculty to properly process this. Like her anger is just volcanic at this point. It's just going everywhere. But when I was reading some of the information on this, like I just Googled it, right? So I got some of the show notes. One of the stories said the husband was working. He was like in between or he was having some issues at his job. Where his coworker had just told him she had feelings for him, and the wife had found out about it just prior to this going down. So that adds a new layer mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. Where dun, dun, dun. maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe he wasn't working. Maybe he was working, but she already had a reason to be pissed. You put the gasoline with the match next to the matchbook. Again, I don't. I'm not saying that it excuses it. I'm just saying, well, boy, you're you're making this a lot more difficult <laughs> to to just well, say it's one thing. Like clearly, it wasn't. It certainly doesn't help make the victim sympathetic. I, I I would agree with that. But the problem that I have with it is that it's not like she snapped and 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 just picked up a knife and stabbed him or picked up a gun and shot him or you know just did something impulsive she literally over a period of i don't know weeks or months or however long days however long it was it was not immediate it was not a immediate thing she talked to multiple people multiple times thinking about this over a long relatively long period of time so it's like to me, that's not snapping. That is literally the definition of a first degree or capital murder. Like she is premeditating this entire plot to kill him. 
I'm just saying, bro, <laughs> she she just found out that he may have been mm-hmm. maybe just an emotional relationship with somebody else. But right. so he's not working or working very much. The one time he does work, go to work, apparently he's flirting with somebody. She finds out and she's working six days a week. Again, I'm not excusing it. But boy, that's, you start, it, it gets harder for me to say that this was a simple, you know, oh, she's a yeah. bad person. What bothers me, I guess, is the fact if she's willing to do that, then what else? Like that, it just, it seems to go, okay, so that there's a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's where I think this leads to is like, wait a second, maybe she didn't kill him. But if she's willing to do that, what what comes next? I know that's kind of what I was thinking at also. So currently the California Board of Registered Nursing is seeking to have her license revoked while she's out on bail. Shockingly, yeah, I know. I'm just like, wait, what? What do you mean seeking? Can't you just like rip that sucker up? <laughs> just, yes. just like Nancy Pelosi, like rip the page right in front of. Me. Exactly. Isn't there an Enron box you could just shred this thing yeah, right shred, now? Whatever yeah. You do. yeah. Well, Good lord. I, I did find that odd because, you know, in my state, I mean, and I'm assuming in, in your state and in, in California, they're the board who issues my license, and therefore they're the ones who would be able to revoke said license i don't know if it's because they have collective bargaining and they have a lot of protections for nurses in the state of california i wonder if there's some laws protecting their license from being just immediate there has to be a review board you know there has to be some sort of a formal hearing where where the nurse is allowed to testify and give their their side of the story i don't know I don't know, but I would love to be a fly on the wall the day that they had that meeting, whenever that law got passed. Like, well, what if they try to kill someone? Nah, let's hold oh, off. Come on. Maybe they had a good reason. <laughs> yeah. What if she found out her husband was talking to a coworker? So, yeah. Exactly. I, but no, I'm with you two. Like, how is that not an automatic you were accused of murder? That's an automatic suspension of uh, or revocation. And maybe it's suspended as opposed to completely revoked i mean maybe that's uh, there's you know maybe they suspended it and but then they're they're trying to completely yank it and go no chance in he double hockey sticks you're ever going to practice again (laughs) so what's really shocking her husband is defending her this is bizarre to me he claimed his wife is uh, suffered a mental breakdown due to ongoing the you know the the pandemic and and all the stress that she had been under. He did not want her to go to jail. He said, "I believe that all of the you know the the pandemic and and all of that took a toll on her." And he said that he felt like she needed to spend some time in a mental health rehab facility where someone can finally take care of her. He said, "Jail is not the answer in this particular case." He said, my wife is a good person. She has spent her entire career serving and taking care of others, but failed to ever take care of herself. I can unequivocally tell you that my wife had a mental breakdown. The fact that he said that, that's what really made me waver. Because I was just like, you know, how can you give someone a pass on this behavior? And then she must have up until this very moment been just like this outstanding person. And then this happened. And then it's it made me kind of, it kind of gives me pause about the whole thing, but. First of all, I just was like, bruh, <laughs> that's like my first thought because he got caught possibly cheating. He is doing everything possible <laughs> to say, see the two guys are going, nah, he's trying to get out of yeah. this is how, is how my initial feeling. 
I had the same thoughts. I had the same thoughts of, well, the people that know her best, you know, the people that live with her are saying no. And and I, I mean, I, I guess I'm being a little funny about it. And, and maybe that is it. In a way, I hope that is what it is. I hope she isn't really psychotic. I hope this really is like, hey, she she finally snapped and she really is a good person. But again, researching this and they interviewed neighbors and they all said the same thing. Nobody said they thought she was a killer. So let's be clear. But they all said the same stuff. Like she was very quiet. She was very standoffish. She wasn't mm-hmm. very friendly. So I, I don't know. Like, even the people that live next to her said they didn't know her very well because she never, and I'm not saying you, you have to be outgoing to be a good person. I'm just saying even people that interacted with her, including coworkers, apparently wasn't their first thought wasn't, I need to get you help. Their first thought was, Oh, she's crazy. She's going to murder somebody. Yeah. I mean, again, that's what makes this whole murky is Mm -hmm. the husband who I still think (laughs) is doing it because he got caught. (laughs) I, I still think that's what his deal is, but, Everybody else is like, I don't know. She's sketch. Like, they're worried about it. Just, But it makes it very hard because there is no clear answer. Well, she has appealed for mental health treatment in lieu of criminal prosecution, claiming the stress as a family and the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated her bipolar and anxiety disorders. Her attorney filed a 37-page psychological assessment of her from a mental health expert hired by the defense as well as a one-page statement from her current treatment psychiatrist, her attorney says court should find that she meets all the requirements. Her mental health diagnosis was a significant cause of the crime, and there is no danger of her committing a, quote, super strike if treated in the community. They had three statements in the motion for mental health diversion, two from medical professionals and one from her husband. So, of course, he's, you know, the alleged victim in the case, Jeremy Butler, he appealed for her to receive treatment as opposed to incarceration. So the mental health expert did conclude that she had bipolar disorder with unspecified depressive episodes, anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and paranoid negativistic personality, some sort of personality disorder, whatever all of that is. He said she should receive intensive psychotherapy to process childhood and marital abuse and claimed she never actually committed a violent act during the solicitation accusation. That's an interesting point is, mm-hmm. is there a documented and not that you have to have a documented to make it true, but mm-hmm. is there documentation or proof of previous abuse or situations that could have made the situation more likely? I, I didn't see any of that in any of the research. Not that I got did a ton, but I didn't see anything that said, hey, this lady, she, you know, she was molested when she was four or her father was killed. Like, I didn't see anything that said, here is a series of events that led to this possible mental condition. Only the psychological evaluation that apparently maybe brought some things out from her childhood and some possible marital abuse. I just wonder if there was a previous marriage that she was claiming the abuse happened in, or is she saying that this husband was abusing her? Because that definitely makes it a little bit more interesting if he was abusive, but he doesn't say that. And, and it is a case that's not gone to trial. And um, so we're, it's still, it's still up in the air. This is way different than the other cases we've done with you where, yeah. oh, there's clear cut. This guy shot this person. Yeah. You know, we talk about why, how, how he got caught. This is one of those, oh God, realistically, depending on where you're sitting and what's going on, you could see this either way. Yes, I, I do. So the problem is, to me, 
all healthcare professionals working at hospitals right now are under a lot of stress. Many people definitely have underlying mental health disorders. So are we going to give everyone a pass that's under extreme stress? What if she had gone through with it? So if, if everyone that is under a lot of stress, whether it's COVID related or not, there are lots of stressful situations. If you just decide to go and, you know, remo- remove your husband or, you know, any, whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the like, word she used, remove. Yeah, remove, <laughs> obliterate. Remove he he got deleted. She <laughs> used a very nice language. <laughs> he he is in the waste pile on the Pixis. Like she's using some very nice language for murder. Like that's what just happened. <laughs> waste. Waste. <laughs> He's been Pixis wasted. Hey, this, I need someone to verify it. That is so funny that this this is a whole new take on hey, could you waste with me? <laughs> See? Yeah, exactly. It's those code words. See? Yeah. yeah. So maybe word. that was oh my God, what if we figured it out? What if that was the code word? Maybe. So I will be at the Pixis to mm-hmm. waste that at a van. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah. See, like, oh my God, we broke it all wide open. I think the key or the difference for me, and again, I, I feel for her on the, the mental health issue, because clearly there's mental health issues going on regardless, regardless if you think that she was just a straight stone cold killer or if she's under stress. So I feel for her on that. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you on the the difference is, is if I say to Ben, I'm going to jump out my window. I've just had it. He's not going to come to my house and make sure I don't jump out a window. Do you understand? what? You know? mm-hmm. So when she said, I'm going to, mur- well, maybe, I don't know. It depends on the day, really. Uh, Fridays are my bad days, so maybe he'll come over. I don't know. But the point is, is in this case for her, the person that she was doing knew that this was going forwards and that she was taking steps to make it happen. And so to me, that's that's the difference. That's where regardless of her mental status, which actually is a legal part of this process, she took the effort to cause harm to another person. Yeah. And so I I, I appreciate that the husband is trying to defend her and that they're doing all stuff. And I am no doubt that there is mental health. It, her mental health is part of this process. Not to say people with mental health are going to kill people. I'm just saying I, in this case, it's clear there's she has some issues. But she took action. And that action is what negates me from going, well, you know, give her a slide, get her some psychotherapy. She needs psychotherapy, but most likely in a state institution where she can be watched and monitored and not allowed to harm other people because she was going to take that action. So I, I did look up her license while we were talking, and it is currently suspended as an express condition of release on bail. So she was restricted from performing any acts for which a registered nurse's license is required until the anticipated administrative action is completed. So just thought that was interesting. Okay. So suspended and until, until everything's cleared up, I guess. Right. I just, it's still hard for me to understand that even, even if she gets out of this somehow not guilty by reason of insanity or something, that there's still not a, you tried to murder somebody on the revocation bar, you know, like for the rest of her life, if she's going to fill out a license, it's going to say, have you ever been investigated? She's going to have to put, yeah, for murder. Also, that goes back to our view in the public. Now, she may be able to do her job, but if we allow 
this as a profession and as a whole and as a state of California to allow this to go forward, you are eroding an already fragile public trust between healthcare workers and the and the public themselves. Yeah. And I think this is one of those I'm I'm like, look, lady, maybe you weren't gonna murder him, but you have lost the right to be a healthcare worker and hold that trust. Because we do. I mean, in ICU, you're pushing drugs that can kill someone. In ER, we push drugs that can kill someone. Ben and I prescribe drugs that can kill someone. Mm-hmm. And if people stop you know, trusting our ability to carry out those actions, then really, what are we doing anymore? The episode that I literally just released this past week, at the time that I recorded it, didn't have a resolution. It was still an ongoing trial. William Davis in Texas this uh, CVICU nurse who was taking care of post-cardiac surgery patients. And he was actually, this is sort of a little bit of an update opportunity because he was convicted and uh, it, there, he was on video going in and, in and out of these patients' rooms. And he was the only one that consistently worked when all of the events took place. And there was a lot of evidence, a lot of evidence against him. And I, I had a hard time staying neutral, although I, I feel like I did. It was already determined that he was convicted. So I don't feel bad. But, but it was really not easy. Because the evidence is so heavy against him. So I'm not at all surprised that he was he was convicted of injecting air into those patients. He was going kind of sneaking into their rooms and flushing the art line, the arterial line and and then they would all of a sudden have a neurological event and code. And then at some point post-mortem, they did a CT, did CTs and would see the, all the air, all this air in their their brains. So that obviously put, puts a huge black mark on our profession. And I definitely, I, it's hard sometimes. That's the hard part of, of doing this show, doing the, the bad part of it especially it's one thing to talk about the bad stories where someone, you know, is plotting to kill their spouse. And I don't want to say that that's acceptable in any way. It's definitely not. And I, I don't want to minimize it. It's just that to me, it's one thing to talk about those stories. And then it's, it's a whole nother thing that is extremely offensive to me as a nurse to think of someone, you know, just taking advantage of these very vulnerable people, the people that we're charged with, with caring for and, and just, staining uh, the reputation of our profession. It just is so disturbing. To me, there is a difference. Like when a person murders their wife or their husband, it's usually it's a personal reason. There's something, Mm -hmm. the people that are killing patients, not only are they murderers, which, which is bad enough. All right. So that's already, that's already a super strike or whatever we want to call it. But now they're making us look bad by proxy. Like now, the next time some ER nurse is starting an IV and there's one little air bubble, which anybody that has ever started an IV or done something, if there's one air bubble, people look at it. I'm like, look, it's it's a half a millimeter. Trust me, that air bubble is not going to cause a problem. Now, <laughs> if somebody reads this, they're we're going to have to go to a whole. Yeah, it's, it, they're not going to believe me. This guy's trying to kill me, you know, and, and yeah. maybe they won't, but maybe they will. Maybe they will. And then it's like, oh God, you know, like I promise, you know, so yeah. And that's another thing is there wasn't, he can't try and claim there's an accident. We've all seen air bubbles and IV lines. It's all gone in and our patients haven't died from air in their brain. So this guy is clearly, you know, 
going out of his way. I didn't see all the evidence. And it just struck me. I don't know how many times I flushed an A-line in my life. So now every time I'm like, oh my God, like what was this guy doing? Doesn't it take something like 50 milliliters of air? It's a lot of air. Basically, when whenever, you know, and I tell patients and they look in an air bubble, they freak out. Like basically it would take the entire tubing. So yeah, probably I think it's over 30, between 30 and 60, somewhere in that range. So I'm like, it would take this entire set being no fluid to cause an air embolus. And here we are doing it. So that's what I'm saying is he has eroded the trust between that the staff, you know, the nurses and their patients. And now by proxy, he makes me look bad, which I'm not saying should make more punishment, but it, it strikes deeper for us in healthcare. Like I said, I, I would never be okay if somebody murdered their husband, but to murder a patient, it, it strikes a different chord. I read that the jury took less than an hour to yeah. deliberate. And I, was, I found an interesting quote from the prosecutor as I'm assuming it was probably his closing statement and part of his closing statement. He said his motive was, quote, simple. He likes to kill people. He enjoyed going into the room and injecting them with air. If you watch the video on Kalina, he sat at the end of the hall and watched those monitors and he waited. That's because he liked it, mm. unquote. That, yeah. That's that's hard to swallow. Like, or And I don't mean believe. I mean, hard to swallow, like sit here and listen. Yeah, because that nurse was known on his unit as being someone that was he was an ex considered an excellent nurse someone that if you walked in and he was in your patient's room you would immediately just think oh so there's a reason for him to be here he he's he's a great nurse he would be somebody you would trust it's just so hard to imagine because i know how i feel when i'm at work and something something bad happens you know and something happens immediately these things happen sometimes where there's just a a sudden event from a patient, you know, they go bad quickly, and then everybody rushes to the room. And you get all this adrenaline pumping, and you're just, just trying to, everyone's trying to do everything to try to help them. And just to think that there's this horrible, evil person just sleeking off in the corner, responsible for what happened, and then enjoying seeing all this, it's just so hard and disturbing to, to think about. It's, it's impossible to weed out everyone from healthcare that could possibly be someone who would do something like this. But the vast majority of healthcare providers, healthcare workers, everyone that works in healthcare, taking care of patients are wonderful, empathetic, caring, kind people who went into healthcare because they want to help people. And then occasionally you have these awful monsters, literally just monsters that slip in. I would feel bad enough when something happens and you can't control it. Like you mm -hmm. said, sometimes, yeah. you know, especially in ICUs, those patients are sick. Like that you don't go to the ICU for, you know, hangnails, okay? So like they're already extremely sick people and bad things happen. And I don't mean bad as intentional. I mean bad as in, you know, a patient dies, patient isn't having a good outcome. You know, it, we already struggle enough with that to sit back and think on top of it, if you were one of those nurses that tried to work that code, to know that he did it, like we were working so hard to save this person's life and then he killed them. And I, I just, it's, 
again, it's one of those, I think, unless you are a nurse or have been a nurse, it's hard to, it's harder to explain. It's just one of those, like, no, there's that internal part in all of us in healthcare that are, that's the, we're the last line of defense. And this guy backstabbed yeah. us and the patient. You yeah, know, really I mean, it's, it's a, it's a double damage. This is the reason so many nurses, I've talked about this before on this podcast, there are so many nurses and other other healthcare workers who are killed every year on the side of the road trying to help someone, trying to help people because we can't stop ourselves from helping someone in need. We just do. We will sacrifice ourselves. We do this. We sacrifice ourselves every day at work by, you know, not going to the bathroom, not taking a lunch, just doing whatever we can, just, just kill ourselves to try to take the very, very best care of our patients. And then something like this happens and you're just like, we're all making these sacrifices. And then you've got this awful person just clearly evil, just doesn't care. It is really, it's, it's hard to swallow. It is just is. It's not just the crime. It's the betrayal. Yeah. Like he betrayed us. He betrayed his patient. And that's a code that I think everybody, whether they consciously or subconsciously, they acknowledge and accept when they go into healthcare Mm -hmm. that that's what we're here to do. And he stepped over every line there was. And that makes it extremely hard to swallow. We just have to work that much harder to try to overcome these things that happen and try to be diligent and always looking for, always looking for, you know, for that possible, the person who could possibly be there, always advocating for all the patients, not just your own, but just advocating for your patients and trying to keep them as safe as possible. That's all we can do. And, and I'm sure the other nurses that worked with him feel terrible because they want to say to themselves, why didn't I see something? But I'll tell you right now, whether I was working with Ben, whether I was working with Tina, whether I was working with anybody, my first instinct is to not look at them because of those things we just talked about, you know, that, that code that we all feel bound to live by. Mm -hmm. I would never, ever, unless there was something egregious, you know, like, well, in this case, like you said, he's the only one going in and out of the room and suddenly the patient dies. The third time you're right. I think somebody would start going, Hey, wait a second, what's going on. But honestly, in the moment, I don't know a nurse that would automatically start looking at the other healthcare professionals. That's just not how our brain works because we don't think about ourselves like that. So we wouldn't imagine, you know, the person next to us. I I, did, yeah. I just don't think I could. I don't think my brain would ever flip into that mode. Like, well, Tina obviously did it. Like, it just wouldn't happen. I do these stories a lot on this show. I do, I do the, I do a lot of other stories. I don't do all, you know, nurses, nurse kills patient stories, but I do these every now and then I do enough of them. You know, I do enough of them that you would think that I would start becoming suspicious of everyone. And I don't, I'm just like you. I, I see all, you know, nurses, it's just amazing, wonderful people because they are really all the people that I work with. I I really couldn't imagine them doing something like this. I, I have to believe that this rare, rare, Thing that happens among the millions of nurses that are out there is just this weird anomaly that it's just, it could happen anywhere. Could ha- it, there, there could be, think about, th- think about it this way. There are lots of different professions out there that really do carry people's lives in their hands. Think about mechanics. You know, you could have a mechanic out there that for whatever reason, just decides to not put the brakes on the right way. Of course, I, I know nothing about cars, so I'll probably say something really stupid, but 
I'm sure there's something you could do when you're fixing someone's brakes or changing their oil or doing things that, you know, that could possibly cause them to wreck, you know, you could not put the lug nut things back on the car on the tires correctly. And then they all fall off going down the interstate. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there and there are other professions that if somebody want, was diabolical and just wanted to, you know, sabotage people just randomly for fun, they could choose to do that. And no, maybe they think no one would know. I, I don't know. I just feel like that person could end up in, in lots of different professions and decide, I think I won't be, you know, I, I think I'll do this or even just be sloppy at their job and not care about human life, you know? Well, and again, I think that's the big difference though, between someone being bad or making an a, or a mistake versus mm-hmm. intention. Yeah. But it's weird. It's weird. You said mechanic because as a child, I, I have a, I, well, I'm so afraid of flying and had to fly. And I was never even pre nine 11, never worried about a terrorist. I was never, my fear was always like, what, what if they forgot a wrench? You know, mm-hmm. what if it gets sucked into a turbo fan at 35,000 feet? I'm like, this is going to go bad. You know, so like you said, like, I think if a person, though, wants to do that type of evil intent, there's lots of ways to do it. You know, yeah. they don't have to be in healthcare. They could be that. Or we look at police officers. Police officers, there are bad ones out there, but the vast majority of them are great. But their whole job, they go to everywhere they go with a gun, like right. strapped to them. You know, life and death is a part of their everyday process. So, yep. yeah, it's it sucks. And I wish there was some way to weed out 100% of bad people, but there just isn't. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is the, the end of that equation is that it, occasionally this is what happens. So, and it's it's tragic. I just, I feel terrible. I feel terrible and I had nothing to do with it. I'm not even in that state and I feel terrible about it. We'll take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house. So it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it and she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, 
the echo technology that makes this stethoscope so amazing. Uh, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. The nice thing about this podcast is we do end on a good note. So we do have a good story to tell. Yeah, but don't most of the people like stop listening at this point? Of it. I don't want to believe that. I don't believe the analyst. You're the one that told me that. I know. I'm trying not to believe it. I I tried to scold them, though. I have scolded my listeners and told them to stop doing that. So I need to go back and look at the analytics and see if they're listening to me. You guys are going to be in trouble. You guys, you do better not touch that knob. You better start doing the good story first. They'll just skip it. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I know where that fast forward button is. I got this. Uh, no, 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 no. I, there are a lot of them that listen and I can, I can tell because I get a lot of feedback from people who are like, I love this story, you know, so I know there are a lot of people that appreciate the good nurse story and I have to do this for my own therapeutic reasons. I have to, cannot end on the negative note. And you just said, I think it's really good to end. Like we just went through all this stuff and man, for like the last 30 minutes, I've been like, oh my God. Yeah. So no, I think it's a good idea. So don't change anything. And Ben is actually the one that sent me this story. And it it is a uh, very, it's a very nice, it's it's a, a lot of the good nurse stories are like this, though, they can be kind of bittersweet, because the reason that they get into the news is sometimes someone did die, you know, sometimes something sort of bittersweet happened. And that's sort of the case here. It's a very sad story. But a nurse stepped up and decided to help someone who is in need. This is an ICU nurse that helped a young widower this young dad who his wife who who she was 22 years old and was pregnant seven months pregnant with their baby the baby's name is Carmen and she got sick and had to go to the emergency department well actually I think they called 911 but when she got it got there they had to, to put her on a BiPAP which I mean that's kind of if you have to go on a BiPAP immediately it's bad there's really one, only one step after that, and that's to go on a ventilator, in which she did have to be put on a ventilator a couple of days later. And then it was basically a case of the doctors approached her husband. I can't imagine these providers having to have this conversation, but they had to say, we aren't hearing a heartbeat from the baby. We're really going to have to go in and take the baby, and uh, we really don't think your wife is going to make it through the C-section. What a terrible, terrible, tragic situation. So apparently during this process, they took the baby, but she, she was still in the hospital. I don't think she died right away. The baby was born on August 25th and she passed away September 20th. So all this time, the mom is in the ICU and this nurse comes along and says, wow, what's going on? This actually happened to me when I was working. I saw like balloons and stuff outside and I was like, what is going on? And then someone told me and I was like, I can't go anywhere near that. That is so sad. But it was a similar situation. I think this is happening more than anybody realizes. Young mothers pregnant with COVID 
having to go on ventilator, having to go on ECMO, very, very sick. She unfortunately did pass away. And this, the ICU nurse was, was just thinking, you know, this is, here's this young dad. Didn't she approached him and said, do you have what you need? And he was just like, I, he just couldn't make it the priority. He was just like, I, I don't know. I don't have, I, I have some, I have some clothes, you know, that, that kind of thing. And she was like, well, do you have a registry? And he didn't even know. He was like, I don't even know what that is. So she had to help him get a register, baby registry set up. She started a GoFundMe. She was hoping to, to make like, you know, get, to raise like a thousand dollars for him for some stuff. They ended up, what, what was it been like $12,000 or something? Yeah. When the baby was born, Carmen was two pounds and nine ounces. And I just think that, you know, under the circumstances for the for this ICU nurse to see this need, and I right now working in hospitals, I don't care where you are in this country, it is really difficult. It's nurses have are having a really difficult time. So in this ICU, I can assure you that she was probably exhausted. I'm sure the place is probably understaffed. And instead of just being focused on, you know, herself and what's going on with, with, with her patients and her life, she took the time to stop and think about, about this man and and what was going on. And I, I know it, of course, it's not going to replace his wife. It's not going to replace this baby's mother, but that act of kindness, I'm sure went a long way to, to helping him to heal, you know, and cope with all, all of that, that was going on. Something you just said, you know, it, it is tough on everybody in hospitals right now. I wonder, and I hope in some way it was cathartic for her to do this. Like, you know, she sees all this terrible to be able to do something truly good for this person. Maybe for even just that minute lifts you out of the muck, like let you see sunlight again. Cause I can't imagine what it's like currently in ICUs. Um, <laughs> And I don't want to. So I'm hoping that not only is she blessed for taking the time to do all this work, but that it did help her, you know, internally and externally, like to to do something this good for somebody. Well, she was quoted in the article I sent Tina is saying, but I was doing not. a, sim- <laughs> not I was doing a simple act of pay life forward. Never in a million years that I think it would take off. Um, I'm so overwhelmed and in awe. I was so tearful all day yesterday. You're just so grateful that his story gets shared and more help is on the way. Uh, I'm so overwhelmed with happiness. If you can pay life forward to people, it brings so much joy to your life. Sometimes those acts of kindness, people will never forget. Yeah, that's true. Her name is Ashley Schwartz. She is an ICU nurse and she just decided to step up and do something to try to help. She she said it started out by just posting on a Facebook group of some of the nurses there and it just sort of snowballed into this. And she said she had, yeah, like you said, no idea that it was going to turn into this, but she made a difference. Her act of kindness, Eric, the father said that she has two children that she adopted. And he said that Carmen and Ashley's children will always be friends, that they'll always stay in touch. I I think that's so beautiful. It makes me so sad. I'm not going to start blubbering. I did that a couple of weeks ago when I was interviewing Josh Shetterly about his brother that died from substance use disorder. And I just listened to him talk about his brother. I could not. It was so overwhelming. And then David, dadgum David, the nurse papa, was just 
out of the blue, completely blindsided me with a story of one of one of his patients. And I was just like, I didn't know he was going to do that. And I, it, I got so emotional. And then I could not control. I was just like, I'm going to kill you. I can't. Like, I have to be able to. Whoa, whoa. Did you just say you're going to kill him? <laughs> this is a recorded conversation. Jason, edit that out. <laughs> it looks oh like gosh. the GoFundMe is currently up to $16,657. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, him, he says he, he's a young single father now. That's He's going to have a, a hard road in front of him. So whatever he gets, I'm sure it's going to be helpful to him. Now we all kind of feel better that, you know, you I know. Story and it's like humanity's <sighs> still good. Yeah. Yes. I feel much better now. Every once in a while, you do need that little, that lucky charm marshmallow of hope. Like, mmm, there's still some good people. The little rainbow marshmallow. Yes, I need that every once in a while. Well, I guess that does it for another episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And Ben, remind everyone where they can find your your podcast. Well, if you're looking for us, you can find us. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. Our website, www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email is JSP at justsomepodcast.com. And of course, you can download our podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. Very good. And you guys know that I'm on social media as well at places at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can find Good Nurse, Bad Nurse by just Googling Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. <laughs> I like it. It's, just Google that. Just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> but Did you, you guys- say Bing? No binging it. Google it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. We don't do Bing. But I would love to see you guys in Nashville. If you are anywhere near Nashville and are able to come on November the 20th, I'm going to be arriving the night before and we'll stay in the hotel there at the Drury, uh, the Drury Plaza in downtown Nashville. And so if you're there, we would love to hang out. We're gonna, I think the podcasters are planning on hanging out and having a crazy time I'm, I'm pretty sure jessica jessica sites is going to be there and she's already been like aren't we going out the night before <laughs> so. oh yes because i love to podcast hungover so that's a, that's a great better than podcasting intoxicated you can listen to our episode on that yeah <laughs> yeah don't oh that's right you guys actually oh, did that didn't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's it's almost like one of those, like, you don't talk about that one. <laughs> you just, it's just there. It just is. So, yes. But, uh, yeah, I, I am very excited. I can't wait to meet everybody in person. I'm excited about the day itself. Like, I'm excited. I can't wait to make this happen and have a great experience and hopefully get to meet some people. Though, I know the majority of them are probably going to be there to meet, like, Tina and some of the other ones. They're going to be like, who are you? I'm like, I'm going to tell everybody I just work there. That's my plan. I want to see how many people actually figure it out. I'm like, um, did you need another beer, sir? And then just walk off. And he'll be like, that well, waiter never brought me my beer. So. In your green 70s tuxedo with the ruffles? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for baby blue. That's what I'm looking for. I think I think I could rock a baby blue ruffle shirt and oh. pop hat. There you go. Oh, wow. Let's see what happens. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm going to be hitting people with a cane. It's going to be awesome. So... <laughs> Pat leather baby blue tuxedo shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Well, you guys go to goodnursebadnurse.com and get your tickets. And you, of course, you are, we would love to see you online as well. We'll be interacting with everyone virtually as well. And the, all of the courses and the sessions that we'll be doing, the educational sessions are going to be available online. We're going to record them and have them available for you to access all weekend long. So we got everybody covered. 
So I guess that does it. And before we get off here, I just want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse, please. For crying out loud. <laughs>